play golf podcast um i've got a really special guest i'm going to leave him introduce himself because it's going to be a little bit exciting and we're, we're going to get involved and there's some really big key lessons that i think that are going to really transfer between our golfing world and what's actually happening out in the in the bizarre situation that we find ourselves in and it is a I say bizarre, it is an unprecedented time in human history. So, without further ado, Lyle. Hello, welcome everyone. Over Great to, you. to be back. Really looking forward to this. Um, yeah, Trev, someone that's got a lot of a lot of knowledge and abundance, not just within the golf inspector as well, but also within lifestyle. So really keen to to hear on uh, your journey into kind of psychology and how you've been applying it in your role. Hi, yeah. So um yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. It's a real real pleasure to be uh, kind of speaking in front of the audience and yeah kind of my uh, my background in psychology and and where this might um help this kind of you know this kind of desperate current situation we're in um i've had a i've had a playing career of so to speak and then the last kind of seven years i've been coaching pretty much flat out but starting to apply some interesting slightly new on the planet uh kind of known as the overnight sensation that took about 40 years to create but applying some of these new sports psychological kind of interventions that I've, I've seen massive change, not only within myself, but within the clients that I coach. And there's some really interesting kind of aspects to this that could be completely and utterly useful to us in, in these like really, really challenging times. Fab. So if, if you could explain to us how, how you sort of structure a lesson because like we had a little just so everybody knows we had a little bit of a chat before we've we've got into the discussions here and I was really intrigued about how you go around your lessons there's definitely if people have had lessons with myself they're going to find some really good similarities between the two of us but you just explain it in a a really nice uh, way I'll I'll tend to draw a lot on um, a, a couple of things kind of people will get introduced to an idea where you know it's you know, failing is a very, very healthy thing to do. You know, trial and error learning has been on the planet for nearly half a billion years. Um, although our kind of our, our language and thought has only really kind of developed in, in the last kind of 200,000 to 400,000 years. So language and thought is kind of the new kid on the block, really. And unfortunately, the problem we've got with, with, with thinking is that it tells us that it's not okay to fail. So our, our minds tell us that, that failure, particularly as adults, failure is, is not a good thing. But yet we look at children look at learning to walk and the average child, do you know how many times they fall over a day just out of interest? I'm going to say 32. Ooh, I want to say... <laughs> so nearly two. I was going to say 30. Oh, wow. So, oh. The kids fall over nearly 200 times oh, a day. What? Um, I feel really bad because my little boy's just gone gone through that stage. Like I clearly wasn't paying enough attention because for me to say thirty, no, Lyle, you haven't got kids at the minute, have you, by any chance? <laughs> well, n- none that you're aware of, anyway. Um, but like, yeah, I definitely you not know, been paying attention. Kind of Sorry, Trev. Processes that are, that are deep, deep within us of of learning through trial and error um, is is just is paramount. And this is something that I bring to the forefront in my lessons is is people being able to kind of put their minds on a bit of a leash, um, you know, take it when it's useful. You know, when the mind's kind of helping them out, that's fine. But when it kind of gets a bit too overbearing, when it's getting on their back about, you know, you can't get this and, 
uh, you know, it's all going wrong and you're doing the wrong thing, that, that's the time to put on a leash and that allows uh, trial and error learning to continue. It's just a good, clean, healthy way to learn. Uh, so kind of, you know, if the child, for instance, if they did have verbal kind of like we do, they, you know, they fell over the first time they were trying to get up and learn how to walk and their mind starts chattering to them about what a failure they are and how this was, you know, it's kind of all, uh, you know, it's no good trying again and everything else. Then, you know, none of us would ever learn to walk ever. So it's uh, it, to give you an example of something from a lesson might be uh, kind of mentioned to you on the kind of the pre-talk about someone traditionally who's a bit steep in the downswing and by the way an easy way of telling if you're a bit steep in the downswing is you'll either tend to slice the ball um or you know you tend to take deep divots or top the ball and i describe the downswing as being like a, a plane so if the if the plane is coming into land too steep and the end is the runway then your pilot has two choices it either has to back up which invariably involves opening the club face and hitting a big slice and you're going to spin and top the ball a lot or you're going to do lots of crash landing and neither of those are particularly good options so if i've got a chap who or a, or a lady for that uh, to that matter um, when we're trying to get the plane on a better trajectory coming into land or just trying to get the club in a better position uh, so that you can control the club face and get better ground contact um I'll do things like put them in a more challenging kind of landing environment, which in this case would be, you know, forcing them to swing on an upslope, which is like tilting the, the runway upwards. And then they have to figure out through a few, you know, feelings and understandings how to get more steep, how to get more shallow. Um, and then through trial and error, they can go about the business of learning how to kind of move the club and move themselves in a different way that helps the landing. And of course, as soon as they start landing well, they can start controlling the club face. And then, of course, performance comes very, very quickly. Okay, so like the way I explain it to um, my clients is like, I, I can't remember where I read this, so sort of don't ask me to cite it at the end of the, uh, of the podcast. But um, a, a negative experience is three times stronger than a positive one. So usually I ask, like, can you give me a recommendation for, for a good restaurant? 90% of the time they can go, there's an Indian somewhere that's kind of all right. And you go, all right, okay. Can you tell me where not to go? Like, tell me the worst place that you're definitely not going to yeah. recommend. Yeah, I guarantee you. I think that examples. relates in just human nature in general. Go, I think we are um, brought up to be very cynical, um, which, which then as we progress as adults and, and kind of mature, we become kind of drawn like a magnet towards negative thoughts and negative experiences um so yeah i totally agree with that one so when we come back into sort of task so like obviously you're on about somebody that's, that's slicing the ball like you know just so everybody knows you're, you're the people that sky the ball and hit the driving range roof as well because you tee the ball up too high so you're hitting really down on it when you're driving um they kind of then, like you said, they want to withdraw from the process almost and they sort of start teeing it lower. They don't really want to try and figure out what's happening because they're almost afraid of failure. And it's that then, it's that process of, and like, I'm a little bit like you, I kind of sit back and go, well, do you know why you did that? Can you just show me what you think you did? Don't hit another one. Just try and explain or show me what you think happened um and usually it's it's they go well i think i leant back and mm -hmm. i hit it really high in the air You're like mm, if you did sit back on your right hand side as a right-handed golfer 
you probably would have topped it out the bottom of the club rather than hitting this big sky that's just hit the roof or it's not gone particularly far or you've sliced it a long way. And then they start, they slowly, I slowly give them little bits of information because again, they can, they expect the perception is, oh, they're going to give me loads and loads of stuff to work on my golf coach. I've heard horror stories. They've changed my grip and oh, they, they have that sort of thing. So I try not to give them any, any information really. I try and get them to give me the information, yeah, draw the information out of them, if that makes any sense. I'm not sure whether that would be something that you yeah, would do I'm in, a, in yours, but that's something it. that I do, have, I do I, at the I moment. Constantly kind of chuckling during my lessons because I'd, I'd almost just, uh, what I'm doing now is, is guided self-discovery. Um, and I, I kind of, I'd, I'd use the analogy of kind of I'm laying a trail of breadcrumbs. And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of the moments when people kind of find it and pick it up and, and you know, they're just, uh, they're absolutely over the moon. But of course, I'm chuckling to myself thinking, yeah, of course, but I'm the one that kind of laid the trail out for you. So it's uh, it, what, I, what I've kind of found is it's quite liberating kind of when you're, you know, my previous coaching style was, was, you know, lots of technical knowledge, lots of biomechanics. And again, through a little bit of, um, I suppose, feeling the, that I had to show off that knowledge to be able to justify what I was charging people. And as I've looked more and more into learning psychology, um, you know that that just that just doesn't bear fruit in the same way as uh, you know things have become more and more simple and, and and some of the performances I've had from people have just been absolutely wonderful to watch but it's been interesting to kind of apply this more this this more thought cognitive part of it as well which has also reaped rewards would you mind if I gave an example go for it yeah so I've just had a I've just had a kind of youngish lad obviously nope. I won't be too specific but I've just had a youngish lad um who had a who had I gave him one one coaching session maybe about a year eighteen months ago he he went off he was at uni and so on and so forth and we started work, back working in about maybe three months ago now and anyway in in two months he went down from sixteen to eight point eight which is uh, obviously just a massive yeah, great drop within two months but drop. The, the more interesting part of that is in the middle of that. He had the attack of the shanks, and he had the attack of the, the rage, which kind of he's a he's a young lad, lots of grown. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to use that phrase, attack of the shanks. That's 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 attack of the rage Sorry. that kind of followed. So he's a young lad. He's desperate to do well. Um, you know, he's got a peer group that he's trying to kind of get ahead in and everything else. So the interesting part of it was that there's a part of this um, psycho psychological approach that I've been using this last kind of five, six years. And the specific part that we applied to him is a process called diffusion, where you're able to slightly kind of back up from and separate from your thoughts and feelings, not, not to run away from them, not to get away from them, but so you can see them a little bit more clearly, which number one allows you to kind of see that there are other things going on. You can kind of, uh, you have choices of what you pay attention to, but also you can see kind of thoughts and feelings for what they are. And in this instance, of course, it was just blind rage because he'd had this little spike of doing really well. Technically, his swing was improving quite a lot. Then he starts finding the heel of the club uh, kind of related to the swing change. And then he just completely loses it. And he, he sent me a video about three minutes long of a range session. And the crucial part was that the rage was kind of stopping him from inspecting the mistake. 
So it's a little process that I teach everyone that I coach um, called accepting, inspecting, correcting. So they kind of, they accept the result for what it is. They inspect it so they can kind of, it's a bit like, uh, you know, going to a crime scene and they're the detective, they're turning up after the fact. They have to, okay, so where did I strike on the club face? Where was the club face pointing? What's the, what's the divot? Where's the ball flight? So on and so forth. And then they demonstrate the correction before they hit another one. So because of the rage, he was missing out on that process altogether. So he was just shanking ball after ball, getting angry and angry. And at the point of, you know, sending me messages that he was going to give up. So we used a little diffusion exercise, as I said, a bit like kind of, you know, let's say your nose is on a painting and then almost kind of, you know, you can't really see anything. And then all of a sudden, if you back up a meter, then you can actually see, you can see the picture of what it is. Um, by kind of calling that experience is his incredible Hulk moment. So basically when he felt this <laughs> boiling up inside him, he could then envision himself as being the incredible Hulk. So there was a bit of a kind of a comical aspect to it. But part of that was, as I said, just giving him a little bit of space between his thoughts and feelings about, you know, being a loser and how he just couldn't do it. And all this information was rubbish. And why was he trying to change his swing and so on and so on. So it's kind of this, endless stream of you know kind of thoughts and feelings that are just obviously not useful to trial and error learning um so kind of being able to put a little bit of a, a different spin on it um allowed him to be able to then when he did mess up on the range the next time and when he started to feel the rage the hulk you know kind of back coming back and taking over him he was able to just step back from the situation with a little bit of humility and then redirect his attention to what was here, important in the here and now, which basically the simple antidote to finding the heel is, of course, find the toe. So then he'd use athlete's foot spray, which leaves a nice white chalky mark. He drew a, a vertical line down the middle of the club face, and then you just give himself the challenge of trying to make the new swing he was trying to make, but put the strike into the toe of the club rather than the heel. And, of course, now he, he goes out kind of two weeks later and he shoots two over gross, you know, bearing in mind he was playing off 16 six weeks before you know it's absolutely astonishing so it just shows that kind of where he at the very point where he could have massively regressed that the skill to be able to kind of um, back up and and have these difficult experiences and hold them a little bit more lightly you know allowed him to keep going just like the child learning to walk you know even often you see regression you know my eldest started walking at 10 months and he kind of started being quite competent and then he just completely stopped for two months and then he came back to it you know we saw this um again it's a bit of a geek term but pedagogy so we had this kind of it's, it's a non-linear curve so you know we had this next big spike in terms of him building skill again so it's uh it, it's it's not that different with golf and 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 being able to kind of ride through the really difficult times in practice knowing that if you if you're if you're kind of doing the right process, then you're just you're just building skills that are going to show up later on. That's just such a crucial part, I think, of coaching that's that's uh, kind of often missed out on. Because, like I said in my previous experience, I just I just wasn't let I, I didn't let people fail enough. Mm. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I think I think we took so, space on that in on, terms on, of no, no, uh, you mentioned there about building a healthy relationship mm. with failure. It'd be really interesting to hear from a coach's perspective how you would do that within your sessions. So, like, this is for you and Matt, uh, Matt and Trev as well. Yeah. So, um, did I talk about the role modelling? Kind of uh, was that in our pre-chat? I think yeah, it okay. was. Yeah. Do you mind if I just give that example again? 
Yeah. Well, Matt, do you want to go first, actually? Yeah, definitely. Okay. I'm going to think about this one because yeah. uh, <laughs> okay. I've probably so, got a few too many um, examples. In, in so going, I'm, I'm going to let you go. Yeah. What, again, what the what the evidence shows. I mean, I've been very fortunate of being able to connect with one of the most influential psychologists in the world, and he speaks very passionately about what the research tells us about. Um, you know, if you want to, if you want to kind of uh, have develop flexibility in terms of people's thinking in terms of their relationship with failure then then model it kind of in your own behavior so um a, a, one really comes to mind in terms of the coaching session i did which was it was a chipping and putting exercise with someone and we had a it was in my putting green right in front of the clubhouse we had about 70 members watching nice summer's day come quite relaxed um but there was a there was a caveat to the holding out and what we had to do was chip and putt but if we missed the putt, we then had to pull the ball back from where it finished another putter length. So, of course, if you missed the putt, you could end up with, if it went three feet past, it's now six feet. And he managed to hold his first putt, luckily. So it's kind of like And I then went through the process of now missing the next five putts because, of course, I kept missing and kept having to and kept pulling it back. And the greens were quick and it was slopey and everything else. So it wasn't an easy putt particularly. Honestly, you could have you could have heard a pin drop because me missing over and over again had kind of caught the attention of everyone that was on the kind of up on the balcony and having beers in front of the thing and and it was just it it was a situation where it would have been so easy for me to kind of either not try as in just knock the ball towards the hole one handed and then say right that's the end of that because of course the people watching didn't understand the context of it. Or I could have uh, kind of just picked it up and said, right, we'll just go on to the next challenge. And what I, what I did kind of in terms of trying to model the flexibility was I, I stayed the course and I tried, I tried to stay on the task with every single putt. And as I said, I think it, was, it wasn't until the sixth putt that I hold out, but the, the chap I was coaching learned such a huge lesson about not, not backing away when in tough situations and uh, you know, I felt mad. You know, what are you doing? You got to battle the coach, and you know, and I felt really uncomfortable, and the adrenaline was pumping, and my hands started shaking, and it was all that kind of high stress, high competitive kind of situation was all coming back to me, like from playing days. You know, um, mm-hmm. it was uh, it, it was it was really really interesting that he kind of later told me it had such a profound effect on him understanding how I wanted him to kind of have you know his, the relationship with failure and of course what that's enabled him to do long term and he's progressed beautifully kind of over the last 12 months and what that's allowed him to do long term is, is embrace failure in the right way and kind of thoughts and feelings with him along for the ride brilliant and you mentioned about the 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 importance of those mirror neurons yeah sorry so again a bit of a geek kind of topic but it was almost like i'd kind of i knew in the background that you know it was almost unavoidable for him to have that experience because it was a highly charge you know when you've got 70 people watching you and you're failing and failing and failing and you're meant to be the expert you know that's going to grab the attention of the person who's paying you the money to be there 
And, you know, within us all, we have kind of mirror neurons and uh, they're kind of simple evolutionary things that allow us to, to feel. And this a simple analogy, a simple comparison, sorry, would be, you know, if we finish the sentence, laughter is contagious or yawning is contagious. It's contagious because of mirror neurons, because, you know, when we're seeing someone else laugh, we start to experience it internally for ourselves. Um, same thing with yawning but it's also the same thing with you know other emotions but it's also interestingly the same thing with physical actions um, which are, on a slight spin-off that's a theory as to why people get fr so frustrated watching sporting events because they're kind of witnessing the action but they're not actually doing it but anyway that's kind of another little kind of side of theory I'm not <laughs> yeah yeah i'm actually so does that mean I can, like, it, yeah. you know, get so, away with sympathy pains? I, I kind of knew so that I almost it. had him to ransom in that experience because I yeah. knew his mirror neurons were going to be witnessing and, and sensing exactly what I needed him to experience. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, the, the, you know, it's, once you say, you know, and great coaches have always intuitively kind of understood this. So it, learning by demonstration is probably just the simplest way to phrase it. Love it. Oh, my example. I suppose I'm intrinsically not afraid to fail. Like I was told that I was rubbish at golf anyway. So it was just like, well, I can't, it's not going to get any worse. Um, but I didn't mind that, that process of, do you know what? Like I'm not that good and I'm willing to show you I'm not that good. And then I suppose that kind of freed me up to be okay. But where I started to to really struggle with accepting failure was a lot later, sort of, not in a coaching capacity as such, but definitely as a playing capacity. And Lyle will sort of be able to sort of relate to some really good examples to me of like, I just could not accept the things that were getting in my way, whether it was stopping me from practicing, whether it was stopping me from going to the gym or not being able to not relaxed because I, I don't really perform particularly well when I'm over relaxed I prefer to be mm. I don't know I suppose you guys would call it arousal levels but like I perform quite well at a, a very good stress level so if I were to rate stress between zero and ten and ten being the highest <laughs> stress level I love being around like eight nine somewhere on yeah. there I just love my heart racing I feel that you know what I've trained for this this is what I'm here to do come on this is this is what it's about I love it um but I, I just felt that none of that was happening. I was showing up. It's just kind of going through the motions. And then I felt, well, actually, am I teaching the right way? Because I'm not feeling the same way competitively. But then I kind of understand where coaches don't want to demonstrate in front of people because you're like, well, well if I can't play or I can't hit a particular shot, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna think worse of me. And I and I, I I've never really I understand it, but I've never really felt that way whilst coaching because it's like well they need to know that I'm not perfect I'm never going to be able to play like playing Tiger Woods and if I could I could guarantee you I wouldn't be coaching unfortunately because I'd, I'd be strapped up well Tiger <laughs> got strapped up with a lot of strippers but that's a different sort of subject but you know you'd be in you'd be in a different stratosphere of, of people and that's not a nasty thing I'd be giving clinics to thousands of people but it's that acceptance of, you know, I'm just happy playing at my level, which is going to be hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll be out playing, you know, West Region again and everyone will, will, will get back out playing and playing with primes and meeting people. 
And I just kind of learned to slowly accept that that's kind of where I am playing wise. Um, mm. But don't get me wrong. There's still a 16 year old that thinks he's going to go and play in the masters one day. I've, but I'm getting to that point where I, do you know what? Actually coaching is a really cool thing. I have a really good effect on people, mm. but I definitely want that bug of going out and hitting golf balls and people going, Oh, wow, he hits it a long way, or wow, he's managed to hold a putt where, you know, you're making up and down that was just a little bit bizarre. And I think that's that would be my biggest fear, is I've always feared that failure of, mm. of not achieving my playing goals or not being as good as my contemporaries, rather Actually, than in a, uh, in a coaching environment, which is kind of in, but odd. I've had a really interesting I, experience now, kind of having, having coached uh, with this new... Kind of new on the planet. I mean, they kind of say it's new on the planet, but it's the overnight sensation that kind of 40 years to create. But it's it's called acceptance commitment training or acceptance commitment therapy, depending on which uh, who it's being delivered to. But it's um it's been really interesting having had kind of four years of um, kind of practicing at home with my kind of relationships, you know, there with you know being a father and a husband and everything. And then being able to apply it to my relation, you know, relationships with clients and how I deliver sessions, and then being able to kind of look at it, almost kind of you know outside in in terms of my own performance under pressure in terms of actually playing the game, and uh, you know just in the last year or so I've come back into playing a few events and it, it's been it's been astonishing. I've performed pretty well actually, you know, way above my expectations, but. Um, it's been astonishing how mentally fresh I've been after each round, which previously, you know, if I played really well or if I played poorly, because I have this mental tug of war going on, um, you know, I, I would be exhausted. After every round, I'd be absolutely exhausted, exhausted. And, you know, that's not necessarily a reason to kind of engage this because you can be mentally fresh, but it, it's just a nice cherry on the cake. It's a byproduct of having less mental tug of war um, so, you know, for instance, the kind of the, the diffusion skills that I learned, kind of I did with my student around the Incredible Hulk and kind of giving him that, that visual of being able to kind of back up, um, you know, I, there's a lot of mindfulness based in this, this approach and it's being able to kind of acknowledge, um, it, it's called acceptance commitment training, but it's not acceptance like tolerance or resignation, it's more like acceptance as a gift, like here, would you accept this? So it's kind of like, it, yeah. I'll tell you what, I asked a, a, a really interesting question to this to this young lad who, um, this is straight out of the therapy kind of 101 book, by the way, but, but uh, I asked him a really interesting question <laughs> because he was getting so angry at this misperformance. And I asked him, I didn't want him to answer the question straight away. I wanted him to sleep on it a bit. But I asked him, what would you have to not care about for you to not feel that way? And it's a little bit, of, you know, people can't, it's, it's a head scratcher. It makes people think because they really okay. have to dig down deeply. And it normally takes a, a bit of time, but they have to dig down deeply to, well, what, what am I, what do I really care about? And of course, you know, a week later, he came back to me and he said, I want to be really good. That's, that's what I really care about. I want to be mm. good. And then I'm able to introduce him. It's a lot easier than to buy into well, if you want to be really good, these are the healthy relationships with failure that we need to engage in for you to get really good. Um, and, you know, that could be applied to anger. That could be applied to, you know, the disappointment of playing poorly. That could be applied to 
you know, frustration. They could, you know, they could be applied to so many different aspects of, of you know, poor performance or, again, being anxious going to the first tee. You know, the reason you're anxious is because it means something to you. So, you know, that's that, that feeling isn't your enemy. It's, um, you know... And that's, sorry to interrupt, but that, yeah. that's, I got into this, like Dr. Bob would tell you, you know, make the butterflies uh, mm. fly in formation. Mm. And I just read that and I was like, I get that. I I can make a fly in formation. I love that. And I just kind of rolled with that, with, with that idea more than, more than most, <laughs> I suppose. Because I would like very limited uh, talent We're good. Wise, and I so. think that's, that's what in terms of psychological kind of made them, made which it. is a fundamental part of the acceptance commitment therapy or training as you would call it I think that's what's that's what's the beauty about it in terms of actually accepting that things happen within a golfing environment in life in general that we yeah. don't have control on and I think by adopting that acceptance approach helps us almost kind of in a fresh fresh approach sort Absolutely. of thing that's what I'm looking at it from sorry Matt I've got a question I've got a question so, so for me and about, obviously you talked about diffusion and the, the use yeah. of a comical character what would be your character uh, so for me personally yeah yeah so if you had to look at any character in terms of cartoons yeah I mean that's a that's a it's a fantastic one, and if you don't mind, I'll, I'll just take it slightly oh. out of the golf context because, again, it's a very holistic look at you start you practice diffusion methods in all different areas of your life, and you just benefit from them, kind of you know overall. So it kind of it helps with the things that I can do at home. I know are going to help me in golf performance or coaching, whatever it is. So the one specifically, and kind of any parent can relate to this, and particularly the parent of two young boys that are two years apart almost to the day and they're just unbelievably competitive with each other and you get them by themselves and they're just angels but you get them together and it just completely flips and they're a nightmare and obviously in this in this kind of kind of horrific situation we're in right now it's uh, it's an interesting one so a, a particular kind of diffusion exercise that i use when i kind of get this you know rage and wanting to kind of shout at them when you know they're not behaving kind of uh, appropriately um, I actually, interesting, it's not particularly a character, but I, I whistle I whistle the tune from the Robin Hood cartoon. Do you remember from years and years ago? The, that's, that's the one. Oh, Friar Tuck was the one that he was whistling. So kind of, it's a really interesting <laughs> one because yeah. now for me, it has the connotation of it reminds me of what I care about. And, and the reason I'm getting so upset is because I'm desperate to be a good parent. And it, it just it just kind of wedges between that space of, again, this is a bit of a geek term, but stimulus and response. So this kind of, uh, you know, getting the stimulus, which is the rage that comes in and the response that the feeling internally and the response of then shouting at the kids. And it just kind of like a door wedge. It just gets in between the two. That's not a bad little analogy for diffusion. It gets in between the two mm, and it creates I a like space it. for me to see that there's something else and the reason i'm getting upset is because i care about them and i care about being a parent and all of a sudden it, it puts a bit of air in the room and it kind of it reminds me in that crucial moment it reminds me that i can approach how do i want to approach this um you know in a way that kind of fits the moment <laughs> i'm still thinking 
Uh, cartoon character. Ooh. All right. I suppose I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna go cheesy, not cheesy as such. I think if if I was younger, with a similar hairdo, <laughs> I'd probably say Bart Simpson because I was always willing to get into trouble and um and be a little bit chopsy. But in a, in a modern day sort of thing with a little bit of timber gained, I'm <laughs> certainly heading towards Homer. I'm kind of realising that the body isn't quite there and I've yeah. got a few strands of hair left and it's more of a don't, can't believe that happened moment for me. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to settle between Bart and Homer. That's, 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 that's going to be, that's going to be mine. Cause I guess, I, I don't know. I suppose it's that, that feeling of, do you know what? I'm a dad now. Um, I've got to go and work. I want to be able to do all the other things. Mm. And do you know what? I'm quite happy as well where I am, and I'm I am genuinely happy with with how things are. I'm definitely not happy with the uh, being locked in my house and going out for one walk a day. I feel like a a dog at a kennel. But um, yeah, no, that that's, yeah, yeah. that's kind of my take on it. Does that answer you your question, Lyle? Me, I um, I had a little bit of time and I spent a bit of time considering all of these sorts of things, like the types of questions, and through doing some some interview roadshow sort of thing. This is one of the best questions that I asked. Uh, my response to this would be Tasmanian devil. Yeah, I love it. Uh, so the idea behind that was it, was, it took me a little while to explore it, but kind of when I got stressed or when I got angry and frustrated, almost kind of all logic and all kind of thinking went out the window. Um, and the way that that is, is kind of the way that the Tasmanian devil talks. You can't understand the word he's saying. And I think that's that's what goes on in my head. And I kind of once I learnt to understand that, I learnt to recognise it. And I think that relates back nicely to what you said, Trev, in terms of actually understanding the meaning behind it. And I think that highlights the importance of creating yeah. something that's relatable to you. Uh, from the client, from a golfing perspective, if you have something that you can relate to, you understand the reasons why. And if you understand why, yeah, you're man. more likely to buy into it. Mm. Right, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in here, guys, because I'm saying now. Well, I reckon we can sell this. We've got Homer going. That's me, the devil's butt yeah, falling around all over the place. He's just like, I'm gonna strangle. <laughs> Stop moving. Um, no, but yeah, no, it, it does it I does make a, sense. I, that was I like that, Lyle. That was, I did, that was I good. Say, I had a wonderful one where um, a chatter. Right, I go on. He just learned. He just learned pure rage. He, he wasn't a, you know, he's a fairly beginner golfer, but uh, you know, he's fairly powerful. He could hit a ball when he connected, but he just had absolute rage. But he just learned again, mirroring neurons from his dad, kind of growing up, just just real kind of anger issues, and obviously it was to the point of snapping clubs and stopping him from enjoying the game and everything else. So there was no kind of massive kind of. We didn't need to. You know, we, we didn't need to go through the back of the, the, the sock drawer to be able to kind of work out. It, it was pretty obvious where it was all coming from. So he, he just needed something to be able to kind of back up and and be able to get back in terms of focus on, focusing on, OK, so what's in front of me and how can I hit this ball better? And, you know, uh, you know, that's obviously going to give me a lot of pleasure in terms of playing the game properly. So interestingly, we, we together came up with this idea that he was just going to... Um, pretend he was uh, singing in whatever kind of came to mind you know this kind of this real negative kind of you know you're such a loser and you can't get this right and just all these kind of memes in his head of, of failing uh, you know whenever it get wrong and the anger he'd get with that and we came up together with this idea of him 
kind of singing them in Italian, kind of the same kind of sense of like a Pavarotti. Um, and it just, you know, he didn't speak <laughs> Italian. It didn't make any sense, but he just kind of put whatever was coming in, into his head into like a Pavarotti style Italian. But it, it's just a brilliant way of, of just noticing the stream of thoughts uh, that's kind of and the, the feelings. And it just gives a little bit of space to then say, OK, well, what else is going on? You know, well, actually, I, I hit the top of the ball. So what do I need to do on the next week? Oh, yeah, I need to brush the ground. So it, it just it kind of it, it's a really good way. I, I kind of call them torch beam skills. So just being able to have a little bit of space to then be able to redirect your attention to the here and now of what's useful to you. We love that. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I like. <laughs> I really like that. Just torch. I'm going to use. I'm going to highlight the word torch. Sorry, I'm making notes as I go along, boys. I'm. Uh, I'm definitely. I'm, I'm the yes. note taker today, yeah, and learning yes, and, and learning more than everybody else. Right. So, for me, obviously, just to sort of summarise what what we've been going through. Um, don't be afraid, like in in the house now. When don't be afraid to try things with your kids. It doesn't matter whether you're going to be perfect at it. Flipping that, nobody can remember what they were doing at GCSE maths when, when you get to our ages now. Just have a go with them. Let them realise that, you know what, it's not go, always going to be right. And by the time I get to mum and dad's age, I'm probably going to forget this stuff too. And that's okay because my mum and dad are pretty cool. And they are looking for that reassurance in a particularly difficult time. So that's what I've taken from it. I, you know, I don't have any kids of, of that age, but I've got to sort of do any homeschooling or anything at the moment. But if I had Harvey and I was trying to sort of, I'd want to, in that instance, from coaching perspective, my example would be, I'd be afraid to sort of, I don't, I know people are afraid of maths. And for me, I'm dyslexic, so I'm afraid of the English side of it. Like if you put, give me a pen and paper and try and understand my hieroglyphics, yeah. I'm, I'm nervous. I'm, I'm feeling really anxious mm-hmm. and I probably wouldn't want, I'd avoid the subject completely. But after listening, you know, especially after listening to you, Trev, it's that, do you know what? Give it a go. Push yourself that just that little bit more. Get get used to it being uncomfortable. Take your time. Realize why you're feeling not 100% comfortable. Well, you know, I'm not bad at spelling. That isn't my problem. It's the fact that I rush. So, building into Lyle's example of the Tasmanian devil, I rush and my, my handwriting looks, um, ironically, literally like hieroglyphics. I start to panic. Whereas when I slow down and I've got time and nobody's watching me, I am a lot lot better so that would be something that i've taken from basically tonight's golf lesson is that for what what would i use it in the current situation for me that would yeah, do you want to go that along? would be it. i'm not sure if any of you boys have got any other examples uh yeah uh, what yeah so from my perspective what i've really taken here is just this idea of understanding acceptance acceptance commitment training um i think it's a really really good kind of framework to follow um especially something that i'm looking to definitely go into more detail of understanding how i can apply it and how i can kind of use it to support more athletes um love this idea of the diffusion technique as well i think that's a real key in terms of actually kind of getting ourselves viewing it from different lenses um the acceptance the accept inspect and correct kind of approach as well love that absolutely love that and i think that develops nicely into kind of a reflection yeah. routine. And I think uh, 
I think from from my perspective, it's just giving yourself permission to fail, giving yourself permission, like Matt said, push yourself a little bit, but give yourself permission to do that. Because it's almost kind of like what we do is we we kind of tell ourselves that it's not okay to fail, when in actual fact, what we need to do is give ourselves that permission. Even to be able to kind of step forward. I mean, I've actually created a post of... um, of, I, mm. I kind of called it putting your mind on a leash. It was like a, it was the brain outside of the head, but it was on a dog's leash. And kind of building these diffusion skills kind of allows you to, you know, when you when your mind is saying something that's useful to you, you can kind of, you know, you can take it. To the you know the information can be good, but time one and sometimes it's to the low and it's gonna, you know, and. And it's just being able to get to a position through practice over time. You know, I'm on about a four-year journey so far, so I'm really on just the, the tip of the iceberg. But just through kind of the, the consistent modeling of it and, and kind of, well, I suppose there's a great saying from, I'm not sure, Gandhi, but being the change that you want to see. If, if you want your kids to mm. kind of respond to failure in a certain way, then model it, you know, show it to them their, their mirror neurons are going to be watching you like a hawk and that's uh, that's the easiest way to do it is, is develop psychological and demonstrate psychological flexibility in yourself and you'll cultivate it in the people around you and that that's that just has the, the thing that really kind of grabs me as in, in this current situation because i'm actually uh, and it's just such an unprecedented unprecedented time for people and um, i'm actually going to go and do the, I've decided to go and do the volunteering work um, in terms of once. Unfortunately, our youngest is very susceptible to, so we have to be super careful with him. But my wife works for the NHS, so she'll get one of these antibody tests that's just about to come out. And as soon as we get the all clear, fingers crossed we do, mm-hmm. then I'm going straight to the hospital and I'm going to I'm going to volunteer because, again, not many people are going to want coaching at the minute or can't because they're self-isolating or can't because the, you know, the, uh, the, um, you know, I, I I want this to be. I want my boys to kind of see that a challenge and a crisis um, can be, you know, can have a lasting, end, but it's going to have effect on their children's children and their children's children. So the effect of how we behave is felt for generations, and we know this with epigenetics and um, you know up and down genes. And I know it's a bit geek kind of topics, but you know the this how how we behave has has massive effects on those around us and it spreads not i know it's a, excuse the metaphor but it spreads like a virus we can have positive changes and influences on people and people yeah. that know people and people that know people and this can kind of this can spread out in a very very positive way um so i kind of I, i've got that as um obviously in this really difficult situation we're in I, i've got that as a real cornerstone of um is to know that it's going to have such I I just want to jump in and say that that's really for me personally that's I'm not sure what to do and I think you've kind of made my mind up like all (laughs) golf pros I've got a limited amount of skills of decide to jump on a podcast and I feel as much use as a fart in the wind and 
um I'll, I'll be joining in with you and volunteering uh as soon as i can as soon as i can really as long as i'm accepted into it and, and to go forward with it because like you've said it's guys you know yeah guys but that knock-on effect to kindness it's that smile like you said it's infectious smart you know it is that way and if we could show a little bit of love and we can get we can get through it i'm yeah, uh, no, i'm with it in terms of actually, thank you very much um put yourself in those situations and, and like you said they're doing it for the right reasons but doing it for the reasons as well that using those things that we've learned in terms of mirror neurons and learning by demonstrating yeah. and, and setting the example i think as a community um i think that's something that we can all do and it starts it's and, and i think the, the, the key thing there and the, the thing to finish with it starts with you you can have a lasting impact on the next person and the next person yeah, starts, and like you said there it, it just spreads that relationship between you and the person in the mirror Yeah, definitely. Right, guys, just to to finish off and say a massive thank you for tuning in and liking and subscribing there, the Just Play Golf podcast. Please, above all, right now, after after listening to Trev and, and to Lyle, the biggest thing you can do right now is if you've got an ounce of common sense, stay home, give our NHS the chance to get back on its feet and, and to be able to fight this thing together. It's infectious. You do the right thing. The other person will do the right thing. And a really bad example of that, and I'm going to swear, is you lot buying shit roll. You know who you are. Stop it. That's a message from us. Stop it. Change the behavior. Lead by example. Be the change that you want to see in the world, which I think is a is a great expression. Fantastic. Brilliant to have you on. So guys, some good follow-up. Mine. Brilliant. Oh, there's probably about four or five hours worth there's... of content that we could go down the I line. See, I so think there's definitely going to have to be another one. If you'll, if you'll, uh, if you will. Yeah, very much.